I guess those who said responded back by saying happy Thanksgiving are those people who have a lot of things plenty. Like you got a lot of good things, you got a lot of food, you got a lot of harvest, you got a pre-bonus, right? What about those who didn't get anything yet? The Bible says simply give thanks in everything. Everybody put out your hands like this. Is it empty or is it full? It's empty. <laughs> and if you look at it, if your hand is empty, give thanks to the Lord. Because God can turn the empty hand into full. Yes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's happy Thanksgiving regardless of our situation. Whether you have a plenty or you got nothing. I remember many, many some years ago, and, and after service, and I asked uh, one of the person, he says, like, how you doing? And he says, uh, what are you thankful for? Well, I'm thankful because I have no gas in my car, and I got no money. He said, you're thankful for that? Well, what he was really doing is, he wants his hand to be full right now, filled. So I had to take my wallet out, <laughs> gave me a few bucks so he can buy some gas to go home. In essence, what our Lord desired us is for us to be thankful in everything. That's when we grow, can grow in grace. That's when we can really see the treasure that God has hide in our struggles, in emptiness that we face each and every day. Of course, we all want to grow. Of course, we want to receive and so we can be thankful. Of course, we want to be better. But what tends to hammer us from growing are the challenges, the trials, and empty hands that we have many times. One area, we may be full. Other areas that we're Empty. We feel empty. Empty with the relationship. Empty with the sometimes the finance. Empty with uh, uh, friends and whatever the case may be. God is calling you to be thankful because He wants to use that. As soon as you respond to Him, He wants to use that situation to give you in full. Last week. Uh, two weeks ago, um, Luke talked about why God allowed us to go through trials. Why does God allow us to live our lives, not only sometimes, many times, with empty hands? The conclusion of the matter was, God desires us to go closer to him during that period of time by giving him thanks so that we can be, in a Christian jargon, can be sanctified, become more like Christ so that we can now move forward. We don't always understand why those things happen, but we do know that is for us to grow, to sanctify, and to move forward. And look forward to our hands, our empty hands, to be filled 
with his grace. And last week, we studied that we go through the trials in life so that we can find God's treasure. We emphasize that God basically hides. Yes, he hides his treasure. He's got abundant treasure. He hides his treasure in the trials we face. The, tr- the, the treasure that we all desire. When you look at your empty hand, you want something in there. You know what it is? It's in our storm, in our sweats, in our tears, in our trials and in tribulations. That's where God's treasure are hidden. Psalm 119.71-72 says, It was good for me to be afflicted. It is good for you and I to have empty hands. Because that's when we have empty hands, when we have empty hands, we can, it's an opportunity as long as we respond to go closer and closer to God, to receive the fullness that God desires us to have. It was good for me to be afflicted, good for me to have a trial, good for me to go through the emptiness in my heart so that I might learn your decree. During that period of time, as we respond, God will begin to speak to you and show you and reveal the treasure. The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. He's got plenty of silver and gold. But he wants to give you, us, the wisdom, the law, to be able to experience the fullness of the silver and gold. So the empty hands that we have is actually good things. It's a good things. It takes empty hands and trial for us to find the treasure that we desire. It takes trials, lots of sweat for Olympians to win a medal. It's not different because the day one, in the beginning, God says, hey, you guys, I'm sorry that you have fallen, but I'm going to give you another chance. Your hands are empty. Because you have fallen. Your hands were full. You had everything. You had eternal life. No death. No nothing. You had a full life. But you became an empty hand. But you know, I need you to sweat from now on. And when you sweat, your empty hands will be filled. It takes lots of sleepless nights for young people in colleges and high schools to get a good grades. Nothing is for free. It takes lots of endurance and perseverance to win. All takes, they all take a response. You don't just go and sweat. You have to respond that you want to sweat. You don't want to sweat, but you respond to the situation. And you sweat. You do the same thing with the slip, going through the sleepless nights. So you can get a better grade and enter a better schools or jobs or whatever it may be. So today we want to emphasize how to win that treasure that is greater than silver and gold. So what does it take? It takes more than wishful thinking. It takes more than I hope, I hope. Quite frankly, it takes more than 
I believe, I believe. Yes, to receive grace, all we need to do is to say, I believe. But if you really think about it, even that requires an action, an action of believing. You don't think I believe requires action? It requires action for you to believe. When you say, I do believe, that's an action. You can believe as wishful thinking. That's not doing. That's not an action. So how do we really grow in grace? How do we really grow so that our empty hands can continue to be filled? It takes doing. It is in doing that will cause our beliefs to come to fruition. Yes, salvation is a free gift, but it takes that one step of doing to fully receive our emptiness in our lives with grace. It takes that doing. Now, of course, you've got to believe. Believing gives us the zeal, the, the passion, and, and conviction. But it takes action. In other words, doing to convert that belief, that passion to bear fruits and find that hidden treasure that's in our trials and challenges. John 13, 17 says this, Now that you know these things, you know something now, within the last four or five minutes, you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. We are called to take that step. So what do we have to do? Do what? That's the question. Let me make one statement here. It's my statement. I didn't borrow from anybody or quotation. Your success in life is directly related to the number of times you respond. Your success in life is directly related to the number of times you respond. In other words, the number of times you say, I do, I will do. Last week, I went to a conference. Um, it was a conference about the forecasting for 2020 for real estate. What is going to be like for next year? What should we anticipate? Well, be, being in a design world of construction and real estate, I go there every year just to listen to what other people have to say. And after a speaker spoke, and one young a man approached the podium or microphone, asked this question. Thank you so much for, for the great insights for 2020. But some of us here, we just graduated from the college. We got zeal. We got passion. We got de desires to succeed in this real estate business. Can you give us a tip as to how we can succeed just like you? Please give us a tip. School don't teach us that. Give us a tip. This is exact, pretty much verbatim. That's what was spoken. So we are all like there was about at least 600 people like listening and trying to see what the speaker 
who's going to respond to that? The speaker did not say, you got to read more. Did not say you need to study more. Did not say that you need to go more certificates or degrees. He simply said, showing up is everything. Showing up is everything. Showing up to conference. Showing up before people. Consistently, not once in a while, consistently, again, again, is everything. And I can't tell you anything more than that if you want to succeed. In other words, keep doing by showing up. Simply having a desire and passion, eagerness, are not enough. You do not succeed alone. That's what the speaker is saying. You do not succeed alone. If you want to succeed, you need people. You need your neighbors to succeed. While you're in school, we're conditioned that we don't need others. I study alone. My grades are my grades alone. It's not for others. Up to that point, it's not about people. It was all about how I am doing. It was all about ourselves or yourself. My grades, my grades, my school, my school, my achievement, my achievement. But when you're in the world, when you're in the world, now that you're out of colleges, most of you are, living in a real world, and if you want to succeed, you need people. You need friends. And you've got to help people if you want to be helped. And you've got to keep making friends. You've got to keep doing these things if you want to succeed. You've got to keep showing up. Which reminds me of a similar question that was raised years ago when I went to a, a political a conference um, where a congressman from Virginia spoke. And young man, after his speech, asked similar question. How do I succeed in politics? And the congressman replied simply with the three points. Now, listen to that three points very carefully, because this man, I know this congressman. He's a solid Christian. His father's uh, minister. He's a solid Christian. He had us already all figured out biblically. And his response was biblical. And we'll dwell on that a little bit. And this congressman responded by saying, first, make friends if you want to succeed. It will be too late to make friends when you need one, when you are in trouble, when you are in trial, and you need help, it's too late to make friends at that time. God gave us friends, people around us, the neighbors, so we can make friends. Second, I was shocked with this. He said, spend more time with your potential enemies than with your friends. He said, what? 
In a politics, you've got all kinds of enemies. Spend more time with them. Help them. Don't simply just criticize them if you want to succeed in life. And finally, he said, practice the ministry of presence. Practice the ministry of presence. I knew exactly what he was talking about. This young man, like, huh, what is that? Well, show up. Presence, show up. Meet people, show up, and do it consistently. So first, making friends. Making friends is doing. You know that? It takes a doing. It takes action to make friends. Proverbs 18, 24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruins, but there is a friend who sticks closer than brother. Your success really depends on this. Because we're all going to go through the trial. We're all going to face empty hands. You need another hand to come along to help. Because what God can help you, but God used people around us to help you. And you've got to leave that door open for God to help you. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times and a brother born for adversity. Proverbs 27, 10, do not forsake your friend and the friend of your father. How often do we get in the trap of just forsaking our own friends? God is not pleased when you do that. Even if they make a mistake, embrace them. Keep your mouth shut, for example. Do not forsake your friend and your friend of your father, and do not go to your brother's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. What it's really saying is, yes, we can always depend on our biological brothers and sister parents. Yes. But make friends. So when your brothers and sisters are far away, you can reach out to them, but your neighbor are the ones who's going to rescue and help you through God's intervention. Spend more time with their potential enemies. That takes a doing. That takes a lot of sweat. Matthew 5, 43 through 46. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's what the world says. Don't get into this trap. Your, our empty hands will stay empty. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and unrighteousness. Unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Do you really understand the last verse? If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Oh, yeah, maybe your, your, your uh, family members will continue to love you. That's good. But you want to, we, the purpose of this is we want to grow in grace. We want to be better. We want to somehow succeed. Third 
Three, practice ministry of presence. First Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. You are doing. Got to keep on doing the presence of a ministry of presence. Being with each other all the time. Acts 2, 44 through 47. All the believers were together. All the believers are together. When you see some activities and try to get, practice the ministry of presence. Oh, that's not my thing. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they give to anyone as he had need. Every day, it says every day, consistently, consistently, ministry of presence, consistently they continued to meet together in the temple court. They broke, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with a glad and sincere heart, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Enjoying the favor of all the people. Practicing the ministry of presence is exactly that. Oh, I don't want to go there. I don't like that guy. Is he going to show up? I'm not going to go there. Spend more time, what? With your enemy, potential enemies. This is very, very 100%, 2,000% biblical. So let's get back to the point. The point is this. God desires us to respond to the call. God desires us to respond even when we have empty hands. That means we got simply we got to go and do. So all these three points or three responses, they all fall directly under God's ultimate summary verse of the Bible. Love your neighbors as yourself. Love the enemy as yourself. Learn to Give in for, your, for the people that you don't really care for. Let's not use the word enemy now. People don't dislike. Still love them. Now, having said all that, there are three things in life that defines us. These are very important. Three things in life that defines us. First, there is a vision. Second, there is a calling. Third, there is a response. What are the differences? There are huge differences. The vision and calling are something that other people can influence you. Response is all up to you. When you come to church today, when you go to some kind of conference, when you read a book, when you read Bible, you will receive some kind of a vision. You will receive dream. Wow, this would be so cool if I you know, do this, if I go there. I would love to do this. There is a vision is being created in your heart. That's where you desire to go. But it's only vision. And as you having that discussion and talk about your vision and that some other people are saying, you know, you should really try to do it. I will make an invitation. Why don't you come? When those things come to your way, 
That's calling. That's an invitation. Those two things are not yours. The vision and calling are not yours. Don't be mistaken thinking it's yours. It's just in your thoughts, it's floating in there. In order to make the vision and calling to be yours, you need to do what? Respond. How you respond matters. Vision is not yours until. Calling is not yours until. Until when? Until you respond. You heard a lot of things about grace, our grace, amazing grace, because of grace. It would be so cool that if I can accept the grace, and like many other fellow believers, that I can enjoy God, and then even if something happens to me when I, you know, my time has come, I can be in eternal life forever. That would be so cool. That's just the vision. It's not yours. Then somebody said, let's, come on, friend. Let's go. Let's go to people you and I like. Let's talk about this. That's a calling, invitation to come. And it's still not yours, grace is not yours, until you respond, until you say, I do believe verbally. That's what we call affirmation, confirmation. Now, if you look at the Bible, just about every godly man and woman in the Bible are recorded in the Bible. In other words, every man and woman, the godly man and woman in the Bible, is in the Bible to show us something. Why are they in the Bible? Because they all responded to the vision and the calling. They responded to the challenges. They responded to the trials God allowed them to face. It is so easy for us not respond during the time of trials and when we empty hands. It is so easy to respond, hey, Tim, if you come to this place, I'll give you $100. You respond, yeah, I'll be there. (laughs) But you got empty hands. And you see the vision. Yeah, yeah, something can be in here. I'm getting the call from my friends, from God. I feel it as I'm listening. I feel it as I'm singing, praising. I want to respond to this. And that's what all the men and women of the Bible did. If they didn't respond, they will not be recorded in the Bible. That includes Jesus too. He had a vision, he had a calling, and he responded. You know what his response was? God says, your vision is go save people. Oh, that's great. But that wasn't his yet. And then the calling was, you shall go. I'm going to send you down there 
as human he went. What was his response? His response was simply, okay, I'll go. He didn't say that. He said, I will take the cross. That's a serious response. That's why he succeeded. What was his success? Called the resurrection. Abraham responded to the vision and the calling. I love this Bible verse. Abraham responded to the vision and the calling. What, are, what were the vision and, and calling? Hebrews 18, verse 8 to 10. By faith, Abraham, when called, you see, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Can you do that? Can we do that? That you would abandon all the great things that you have and simply respond to the vision and calling. What was the vision? The vision was the promised land. Abraham sees it. Yes, the promise that God you made, you're going to send me to promise. Wow, that promised land. I would not know where it is. I get it. That's a vision. That's a dream. And then there was calling. God called him. You'll go. And it's not his yet until he, what? Obeyed. Until he responded. Now, God did not give him all these conditions. Hey, if you listen to me, I'll give you 100 bucks. He didn't do that. Take your empty hand with you. Along the way, once you respond, along the way, I'll feel it. Not before. And he went. He went, not knowing where he was going. And I know some of the immigrants will probably relate to this. Let's go to the United States. Well, all of us are immigrants, right? 100 years ago, we got a lot of European uh, immigrants, or 200 years ago. They all took this. They went to the United States not knowing where they're going, what state they're going to land. They had an empty hand. I know you heard so many times they came here with 100 bucks. Well, I guess it's not totally empty hand, but basically it's empty hand. That's what God desires us to do with the, within faith. Empty hand is a gift. Because in it, there is what? Hidden treasure that God's going to reveal. So let's move on and look at the verse 9. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents. That's living in a tent. When we had this, all the great homes and I don't know if he had a mansion or not, wonderful things and all these people uh, worked for him. He left all that and he says he lived in tents. That's a like challenge and that's a trial. As did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 10. Love verse 10. For he was looking forward to the city with the foundation whose architect and builder is God. When 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 he left, he was he had empty hand. There was no promise 
When you go there, exactly there, I'm going to give you something. It was by faith. He was simply looking forward to the city with the foundation whose architect and builder is God. Vision was promised land. That's very nice. Calling was to go. Go where? A strange foreign country. He had to leave everything behind and had to face challenges, trials. And he, knowing all that, he responded to that invitation. And his response was simply to obey. But he knew there will be what? Hidden treasure once he empties his hands. And what was that treasure? The treasure was written right here. A city. God was giving or give him the city. God did not make a condition, but he knew there is hidden, hidden treasure when I respond to his vision and calling. And because of that, he was able to go through all the trials and the challenges that comes with living in a strange foreign country. So back to trials. God allows us to go through the trial to purify us, to sanctify us, to help us to grow. God allows us to go through the trial so that we can find that hidden treasure. So how do we respond? Number one, first, be thankful. Be thankful in prayers. Give thanks in everything, especially when you, your hand is empty, when you don't have enough money even to go to home, when to, to enough money to fill the gas tank. Give thanks. Because that's the only way we can keep open communication with our God. Second, rejoice. No complaints. So, well, how can you not complain? Because we, God desires us to have heart of God. We need to be different than of non-believers. We cannot complain. If you really understand that there is a hidden treasure in your trials, in emptiness, we can truly, truly rejoice and act on the word of God. If you stay <clears throat> with his words, you could stay away from being having negative thoughts and simply cry out. This is probably one of the best medicine. When you're empty and nothing's really happening, you don't see just simply cry out to God. God says, call upon me in the days of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. His treasure, ultimate goal, is for us through the trials to glorify him, and that is the treasure that he desires to, for us to experience. Five, love your neighbors as yourself. Very critical. That was God's, Jesus's, ultimate command to us. He said, basically, basically he said, let me just say, basically say, everything in here, it's very important, but I know not everybody is smart. In fact, 
Everybody's not smart enough to know everything that's in it. Even though you read it 10,000 times, we probably don't able, we're not able to recall. Just, there's one thing I'm going to There's one thing. It's a sum, I will summarize everything in the Bible in one verse, one phrase, is love your neighbor as yourself. Everything hinges around that. That's exactly what Jesus did. He loved us. We were his neighbors. He loved us with his life. He sacrificed. Meaning, he sacrificed even for those who did not love him. Number seven, do the ministry of presence. Keep your chins up. Keep doing. And when we respond this way, the scripture promises a great reward, a great treasure, that our empty hands will be filled with his treasure that we could see. Matthew 5, 11 and 12. Blessed are you when, you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. It's a simply way of saying when you go through challenges, trials, your hand is so empty, but still be thankful. Verse 12, Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. That doesn't mean that you're not going to have any reward here. God will help us to experience him. And that is most, most powerful thing that we could have. To know the Holy Spirit is with us until the day that we will be joining God and everybody in heaven.